0: As a road tripper, traveling with pets is something I never thought about. My only pet is a gecko. (laughs) And I'm obviously not going to travel around with her, her tank, her heating lamps, and her heating pad. But when I talked to my friend Britt, an SEO and content strategist, about creating more hiking and camping content, she said she goes camping with her cat. (laughs) Nothing says freedom better than a dog hanging its head out of the car window, tongue all out and everything. But a cat? Danielle, you have a dog. Would you go on a road trip with her?
1: I've traveled all over and I usually leave my dog with my mom or my grandparents because it's an easy go-to. And I think the reason why is because I just don't know. I did not know how to travel with my pet. And I have a pit bull, so she's rather large. And we know that Pipples have like a reputation or uh, a stigma to them. Right. So I always had just like these hesitancies to travel with her. And so I felt like, you know what, let me leave, let me leave her home. But after listening to this episode, I have definitely reconsidered and I'm excited for everyone to listen to it because Brit really helps the beginner parents, you know, fur baby parents really feel more comfortable with taking that leap.
0: In this episode, we speak with Britt, the owner of the blog The Cash Pack, as well as Shed Happens. She's an outdoor travel with your pets expert. We'll talk about ways to prepare for road trips with your pets, especially if it's your first time. We'll go through all the gear and equipment to keep your fur babies happy and healthy. Bags packed, mirrors
1: adjusted,
0: GPS set. We're road trip ready. I'm Chris,
1: and I'm Danielle. We're two road trip enthusiasts collectively clocking in hundreds of miles.
0: or kilometers.
1: A year exploring the U.S. and Canada.
0: Now, if you love discovering new destinations.
1: And hidden gems.
0: The best kept secrets locals cherish. And ways to make your road trips more enjoyable.
1: And affordable.
0: You're in the right place.
1: Time to shift into drive and get you
0: road trip ready.
1: I am a freelance
2: writer and I content creator full-time, Um, and I spend my time writing mainly in the outdoor travel and pet spaces. So I work with different brands to help bring their messaging to light. I'm also an SEO specialist, so I work with helping people basically leverage Google to get their content seen so that things show up on Google. Um, On my own sites, I do have a portfolio of websites, but the one that we're really focusing on right now, my husband and I, is the Caspak. And it is an outdoor travel with pets site. So it's about camping, hiking, canoeing, kayaking with dogs and cats. And we share as much information as we can to help people who maybe want to travel with their pets. But for one reason or another, maybe they are um, nervous about it. They've never tried it before. They're ready to take it to the next level. Like maybe they've always stayed in the cabin, but they want to try tent camping for the first time. Anything we could do to empower people to just get out there and enjoy the great outdoors with their best friend by their side. Yeah, so my pets are all rescues. We're um, very big advocates for the rescue world here. We have three dogs and two cats that tent camp and travel with us. Um, our dogs range in age from my oldest dog, Daviana. She's 15. I actually adopted her back before I met my husband. And then we have Indiana. He's He's 11. And then our youngest pup is Lucifer. And Lucifer came to us during COVID. Um, he and his litter mates were actually found in a ditch down in Tennessee in a duffel bag. And when they were discovered, luckily they were discovered by a groomer who was driving by and saw that they were in the ditch. And she brought them in and gave them a bath and hooked them up with a amazing rescue down there, which is Baker Bridge Rescue. That's who I worked with. And uh, he had... Suffered some, some serious injuries as a young pup. He was only four months old, but both of his front wrists were broken to the point that um, they weren't sure it would ever heal properly. And so down there in the culture down there, like dogs are either useful or they're not. And so he wouldn't have stood much of a chance down in, in the southern states because he wouldn't have been a useful working dog. So we brought him up to Canada and uh, that was a whole ordeal because not only is that a really long road trip for a dog, but at the time we brought him in, it was July of 2020. So the, um, or July, 2021, sorry. And so you weren't allowed to drive over the border and we were trying to bring a dog over the border. So I got to know the vet that worked the border at the Windsor Detroit um, bridge there really well so that I could kind of have an exception made for him to come in. Um, and since that time, we've been working with an orthopedic specialist and a neurologist because of the potential nerve damage of how his legs, um, kind of formed and, and grew around this injury. And, uh, not that long ago, he did his first big hike with me, which was the Nicomas Trail up in Lake Superior. And just on Thanksgiving weekend, he actually hiked the 15 kilometer Lakeshore Trail at Silent Lake with me. So he is doing incredibly well
0: wow such an incredible story and kudos to you and your husband for doing all of that um to get him back to uh to health and i mean honestly he can at this point he can hike more than i can so there's that um why do you enjoy road tripping like what are the benefits of road tripping in general
2: so i just absolutely love anything that involves them in my life because i didn't adopt my pets to you know stick them in the corner and have them look like a pretty little statue like i adopted them to spend time with them and to make memories with them and to bond with them and that actually we have a uh, large facebook group where uh, everybody in the group is interested in camping and hiking with dogs in the ontario area and so i asked them and that seems to be the overarching um answer from them as well is just being able to spend that time i mean i have a couple answers here that i thought also were interesting um like Lauren, one of our members, she said she enjoys it because she likes um, spending time with them and exploring new destinations. And her dog just loves the car. Um, Sarah brought up an interesting point. She camps with two huskies because she feels safer, especially when she's going out solo. It gives her that additional safety feeling. Um, we had another one actually pointed out, another one of our members. She pointed out that it's a huge bonding experience for the two of them. Just like like I was saying, like Shannon says, um, we've been able to unplug from technology, explore new areas, refresh in the outdoors. It's a huge bonding experience for the two of us. So it's that that overarching desire to just spend time together and build that relationship, which is why you adopted a dog or a cat to begin with.
1: I absolutely love that. And I think a major reason why I was really interested in having you on the podcast, Britt, is because I have a pit bull, a pity. And I have not taken her on any trips with me. And I travel for work and leisure, and this is what I love to do. And I think there's a bit of anxiety there and because of the type of dog she is. So we'll get into all of that. But I loved all of those responses because it's just so heartwarming. And I do want to have those experiences with my with my pets, as with my son, my my infant, my baby toddler. Um, So all those things are just amazing. Now let's take it to someone like me. So for those who have never traveled with their pets before, and they may have some anxiety about it, how would you recommend for them to get started? The most important thing is to start slow. So don't
2: jump into like a multi-day camping trip because you're setting yourself up for failure. You want to set reasonable expectations and kind of work up. So with ours, for example, we would start. Um, we actually set up the tent in the backyard the first time Lucifer was ever in the tent, and we just spent the day out there. And I would give him treats if he came into the tent, and then he would wander off, and he'd come back to the tent. I was sitting in there, and I'd give him treats again until the tent became a positive thing. Um, and the same thing happens with a vehicle. Like if you have, if you're anxious about the vehicle and you put your dog in the vehicle and the dog's you know nervous or um, uncomfortable in the vehicle, the same kind of thing. Just sit in your driveway make it a positive thing, maybe feed them lunch in your backseat so that they start to see that the vehicle itself isn't a, a scary thing because these are new experiences. It's new for them. It's a new sights, new sounds, new um, feelings. Like when the vehicle's going, turning on the vehicle for the first time, that can be scary for some dogs. Um, I know with our boy Indy, uh, bless his heart, Indy's afraid of everything. We call him the pansy boy. I love him to death, but I've never had a dog afraid of so many things. Um, Not in a he doesn't have confidence way, but he gets startled very easily and then runs to us to resolve whatever has startled him. And so the first time he got in the car, um, I remember him like staring down at his feet because so he was like, "What? what is happening? There's a sound there kind of thing. And uh so in a situation like that, if you just turn the vehicle on sitting in the driveway, you don't have to drive anywhere and slowly work up to it in that sense. If you are ready to take that trip, let's say your, your pet is comfortable in the vehicle, they're comfortable in the, the tent, or uh, maybe they're, they have a, a bed that makes them super comfortable and you feel confident that you could stay in a hotel or a cabin with that bed because they know that's their space, then start small and start close to home. And the most important thing I always tell people, and I stress this in, in our community for anybody who's starting out, is that if you have to cut it and call it, and you know head home before your night's over that's not a failure it's just a step in the right direction so maybe you go and you want to go camping for the first time and you get all set up and then it hits like 11 o'clock at night and your dog is howling because they're freaked out and the sounds of nature at night is too much and you have to head home that's okay it's a process you're working up to it so if if it takes an extra trip or an extra trip or two to get them to the point that they're comfortable sleeping overnight in that tent somewhere, it's just baby steps in the right direction.
1: And I love how approachable that is, right? Like all the things you mentioned are things that makes you feel comfortable as the pet owner as well. And it doesn't feel like, oh my gosh, we're going to go to Europe (laughs) on our first trip, right?
2: (laughs) Exactly. And that's the mistake that a lot of people make is that they jump into this like, Big expectation of some massive trip that's going to, you know, take so much work to try and get everybody comfortable. And jumping from, you know, point A to point X, you're missing a whole lot of steps there along the way to kind of work up to that. And it's just like if we walked into a gym, and this is an analogy I use all the time if you walked into a gym for the very first time, you're not picking up the heaviest weights in the entire gym and bench pressing, having never gone to a gym or worked out before you're going to work up to it in the same way you work your pet up to being able to
1: travel. I love that. I love that. Now, I'd love to talk about the equipment and gear that you use, because I'm sure there are things that help you and help your pets to make them feel more comfortable. So what are some essentials or things that you think that folks should definitely bring with them on their road trips?
2: Most definitely. So the most important thing that you're going to make sure that your pet has is a collar or harness that fits them properly with proper ID. Um, No matter where you go, if your cat or dog has ID, the chances of getting them back if something happens is much higher. Um, And there is no right answer for that. There is no one harness that is the best harness. There is no Collar versus harness decision. Uh, It's all going to depend on each individual pet, what makes them most comfortable, and what you're most comfortable with them traveling in. In terms of a leash, I know there's a whole lot of leashes out there, and that can be, you know, hard for people to choose. I highly, highly recommend Biothane because it is waterproof, stinkproof. You just rinse it off. So when you're out there exploring, and it inevitably gets dirty because it will. You don't have to worry about how you're going to clean that. Or even as far as like taking it a step further, a nylon leash that has gotten into, you know, being outdoors multiple days in a row could potentially create a concern in terms of bacteria and things that it's picked up along the way. And a biophane leash won't. Um, We always travel with a shorter hiking friendly leash, about six feet. And then we travel with a long lead. Um, The one I have for Lucifer right now is a 15-foot long lead, plus I have a 10-foot extension. So depending on where I am, I can give him more or less space to kind of run and play while still having that that control over him. I don't bring quite as long for the older two because they just don't run as much anymore. Um, But the extension for him is key because, I mean, the little guy is a two-year-old German Shepherd-Australian catalog mix, so there is no shortage of energy there, especially now that he can kind of get up and go. Um, and another thing that I, I highly, highly recommend people seriously consider is your first aid kit. Uh, we know to bring a first aid kit as, as humans. Um, you've probably heard it mentioned a million times as a road trip lover that you should have a first aid kit in your car. But what a lot of people don't realize is that a human first aid kit doesn't have everything you need to care for your dog in an emergency. So there are certain things that need to be added to a first aid kit for your dog or cat. Um, that you may not have have considered, like styptic powder, which is used to stop uh, bleeding if a nail is broken. Because when we break a nail, it hurts. When they break a nail, there's actually a blood vessel in there called a quick that can start bleeding. And it can become serious really fast if that bleeding isn't stopped. So that is a very important addition to your first aid kit or vet wrap bandages, because you can't just stick a human bandage on a dog. It's not going to work. So Outfitting your, your first aid kit or having a separate first aid kit for your pets is so important and something I can't stress enough um, in order to kind of make that accessible. We actually have downloadable first aid kit checklists. So um, if anybody is looking to do that over on the CASPAC, they're, they're free to download and they're printable checklists with all that additional information. I had asked a couple of people in the community also about what kind of gear they use, because I was looking for some interesting answers. People who might have something I don't have or think about something I don't have. And there was two that really stood out that I kind of wanted to highlight. Um, Sarah, she said that when she's not in bear country camping, which is important to note. So not in bear country, you're not worried about, you know, dangerous predators coming onto your site. She uses dollar store shower caps to put over their food bowl in between when they're eating to prevent flies and rodents and birds from getting into them. Cheap, cheerful, compact, easy. I thought that was really cool. I'd never heard of that one before. And Kelly said something that made me laugh because I I feel like if you have a pet that has a stereotype to them, you're going to enjoy this. Um, And she has a lab. and Labs are known as being like water lovers, right? And she said, while she's a lab, we still bring a rain jacket in case it's cool and wet. Because there's a difference between just getting wet and having fun being wet. And getting wet when it's cold out and it can change your body temperature. So it's a good reminder for everybody that, you know, even that is a consideration.
1: I love all of those. And the shower cap is like perfect. I can imagine already what that looks like and why, right? I love all those things. So I have a follow up question regarding the gear. Do you have any things in terms of like their water bowls and their food and also? Do you have them in actual uh, crates or containers or anything like that when you're actually driving with them or do you just leave them or is it a personal preference thing?
2: Yes. So I'm going to start with your last part of your question because that is the most important part of that question, hands down. And that is that um, no pet should ever be left loose in a vehicle. Um, It's not safe. You hit, like, let's say you got into an accident. A, it's not safe for you because that, animal can become a flying object very quickly. B, it's not safe for them. So just as we have to wear seatbelts, they also have to have some sort of seatbelt or um, enclosure. What you use, personal preference. There are harnesses and dog seatbelts that are crash tested. I know Sleepy Pod is a really common brand that uh, offers that the actual crash tested ones versus just any standard harness. Um, We do seatbelt our three dogs because they are larger and uh, you can imagine enough crates in a vehicle for three large dogs. We wouldn't have a whole lot of space for anything else. Um, But our cats are kept in a crate um, because they are more comfortable kept in a crate. They're actually kept in a crate together because they're more comfortable traveling together, which is another point. Um, If you separate them into two separate carriers they freak out because they're alone and they feel cut off. But when we put them in together, they're more comfortable. So we use a um, some kind of small to medium dog uh, carrier for the two of them. And then if you are using a carrier or crate, the carrier crate should be secured. So you could use a seat belt to buckle that in. There are some carriers that have um, clips that use the, the car seat, you know, the car seat clips that are on the seat to hook your car seat to. Some dog carriers and cat carriers are actually designed to leverage that now. Uh, But it needs to be secured because otherwise, just like them loose could be something that flew through the air in an accident, so too could a crate, especially for a smaller animal. Um, As far as food and water, also very important, but very much a personal preference thing as far as what ear you use. Uh, And with ours, I actually have a couple different options. So for water, we use a Lessot water bottle, um, and it is a water bottle that has a silicone dish on the top. That kind of folds up and folds down. So it's really easy You fold it up, you use it, you fold it down, you put it away. Um, and I love that simply because it is so hiking friendly. Like it's got a little carabiner. I can hook it on my pack. It fits into the water bottle carrier on, on my um, hiking pack that I wear. So it's easy to to carry with us. But there are a lot of other options out there. There's hard-sided ones. There's ones with big, long, hard bowls, depending on what your pet is comfortable with. As far as food, this is where ours vary. And and we have like a different setup for almost every animal. Because um, we've got, on one hand, Lucifer and Indy, who would inhale their food on a moment's notice anywhere you put it. So we have to actually consider that. So we have silicone slow feeders and packable snuffle mats to try and slow them down when we're feeding them out and about um dav has hit the point now at her older age where she can't like she has a hard time with depth perception and so having sides of a bowl actually throws her off so we just feed her on a a silicone mat like the ones that are designed to go under a dog's dish and it just rolls up it's really easy to bring with us you put her food on top of it and she's happy to go and our cats eat at of just standard stainless steel dishes. I mean, cat dishes are small. It's really easy to kind of tuck them in anywhere. So we don't have to worry too much, but there are collapsible silicone ones you can use instead if you just want a standard dish.
1: So are you putting all of these gear and equipment into like a bag specifically for your pets? Because I know as a mom myself, if I don't, I'm not organized. We're gonna have 20 billion target bags, like and the car is full of stuff. So what does that look like for you know, the just being able to logistically the packing, how does that look like for your pets? So
2: it kind of depends on what trip we're going on. Or if um we're heading out in the winter, we actually use slightly different gear. So when we're heading out cold weather camping, we bring a big plastic heavy-duty tote that we then ratchet strap down at night so that you know, rodents and whatnot can't get into it. And all of our gear goes in there, ours, theirs, etc., because it is waterproof. It keeps everything in one place and it keeps it close to us and easily accessible. Um when we're backcountry camping, obviously you're concerned about space because you have to carry everything with you. You can't just, you know, drive up and unload your vehicle. Um, so in those situations, each of us has a pack and that includes the pups. Each of the pups has a pack. Dab doesn't carry one anymore, but she used to. And they can carry some of their own gear. Um, you have to watch the weight limit. You should never have a dog carry more than 25% of their body weight, and you should work up to the 25%. So going back to that gym analogy, you're not going to pick up the heaviest weights. Well, you don't expect them to carry the heaviest weights. So work up what they carry as far as weight goes. But ours can carry their their food, their food dishes, their um, extra leash. Like all of that can go into their packs. And that way we don't have to worry about as much of what we're carrying. Now, of course, when we're backcountry, we also tend to skimp a little bit and go with the easiest possible, smallest possible gear, as opposed to going a little bit over the top when we're, we're front country camping. Like we use a pen, an exercise pen when we're front country camping so that they don't have to be tied out versus backcountry. We're just going to use a long lead. So, I, I mean, the gear that you're carrying is different but they can carry most of their own backcountry gear.
0: So when you talked about that lead, um are you talking about the lead like is is that always on the dogs at all time like uh like do you know what i mean or is it only when you're hiking like do you always have them strapped to something? Um, because I mean, if you're, if you're in the woods, right. Like, I don't know, like there's, there's wolves out there. There's all kinds of things like the dogs might, I mean, not maybe your older one, but the younger ones might stray away too far. And like, I don't know, like that would be a concern if the dog runs away or, so do you have them like, like tied up at all times? Or, and then uh, you said a certain time to have them in the pen, a pen as well, I guess, which would be like a fenced in area. Yeah.
2: So when we're front country camping, we have a pen. And um, we actually use their Midwest Homes exercise pens and they come in like a set of eight panels and you can connect more than one. So we actually hook up three of them and then extend them out from our our dining shelter, our Kuma Bear gazebo. Gazebo. Um, and it creates an enclosed area so that when they're in there, they can be off leash. Uh, but the places that we front country camp are leash required areas because we tend to stick to the provincial parks and parks. Um, So if they come out of the pen, they have to be on a leash at all times. As far as when we go out, maybe crown line camping or go camping at a private property, that is kind of a matter of, I don't want to say personal preference, but it's a case-by-case basis. So if you are in an area where your dog is permitted off lead, there are some things you need to consider before you just unhook the leash and let them go. And like Christopher said, like if they're going to run off, that's a serious safety concern for them and for you. So you need to make sure that you have a dog that has bulletproof recall. Um, they're going to listen to you above and beyond all else, and that they're going to stay near you. So, for example, we actually live in kind of a unique situation, as I'm sure you see all the wood here. Um, so my husband and I moved to a cabin in the woods. We literally live in the middle of hundred acres of woodland. So we have trails all around and we go out on our property all the time. And um, My little one, actually, my youngest one, Lucifer, we had a deer come across the trail about 30, 40 feet ahead of us. And he recalled off the deer instantly and came to me. And so like he was willing to completely ignore a deer in front of him to listen to the recall I gave him. And unless your recall is that solid, you shouldn't be assuming that you're not going to run into trouble. So it really is a case-by-case basis on how well your dog Listens off leash. And I will stress that being off leash ready does not necessarily mean that's the only dogs that are properly trained. There are great dogs out there who are just overly excited by a trigger and don't want to listen in that moment because they're overly excited to see something. I honestly am very picky about where Indy can go off leash. And he is a great dog, but he just gets really overexcited if there's anything food wise in his case. So if he thinks that he can go eat something, it's harder for us to get him to listen. So it's more about knowing your dog's personality than it is about, is your dog well-trained or not? But knowing whether their personality allows them to listen in that moment.
0: So now going back to road tripping specifically, like being in the car. Um, now, I know for me, when I'm driving, uh, I, I drink a lot of water. So I, I often, like I try to fight it, but I have to pull off and and do washing washroom breaks. So what's this like? for dogs. Like how often are you stopping on a road trip, like with dogs, like whether for them to use a washroom or whether they need to drink something or eat something like how often are you doing that? And are you going to the same places that you would go where, where us people folk go?
2: Yeah. So just like people um, it's going to vary from dog to dog, cat to cat. Um, Some animals can go longer. Some need to stop more frequently. I know we stop more frequently now that Dav has hit 15 just because she can't hold it as long as she used to when she was younger um but on average i recommend having a stop at least once every three hours um but you need to know your pet and whether that needs to be even more frequent than that as far as where to stop you can stop at you know the usual on routes and normal pit stops a lot of them do have a grass area that you can take your pet out to let them go to the bathroom however there are also a lot of other options and um And we actually that this is another question I posed to the community and got some really great answers here. Uh, Lauren suggested all trails to find just a smaller hike so that you could go out for maybe a 15 minute hike, which is what we often do. Uh, We use all trails no matter where we are, because, for example, as we have said, Lucifer is a troublemaker. He needs like he has so much energy. I call him our ball of chaos. And so if we're taking a long road trip, there has to be an opportunity for him to let some of that energy out somewhere. So getting them out on just a short hike versus just sitting at a a pit stop somewhere is so important. Um, Anna suggested the dog pack app. It has like dog parks and pet friendly areas mapped out. So you could find maybe a dog park to let your dog out to stretch their legs. If that's something you're comfortable with. Um, And as Maureen pointed out, Ontario parks day passes are great. Like if you have an Ontario parks day pass, you can stop at any of the parks along the way while you're traveling. I know when we were living in Windsor, We would travel up to like Six Mile Lake, Awenda, Arrowhead, that kind of area around, you know, heading into the Muskokas. And on the way back, we always stopped at the Pioneer to let them stretch their legs because it was kind of that halfway mark for us. So that's something great that you can do if you do have a day pass available.
0: Okay. So because we're talking about dogs. I mean, when Britt and I were first talking, like she was saying that she travels with her cats, and I was like, "What are you talking about? Who travels with their cats, right?" So for me, it was a complete shock. So uh, I have to ask, like, how do you travel with the cat specifically? So is there differences between road tripping with a cat, um, and a dog? Um, essentially, and then going back to the leash question, like, do you have your cats tethered to a leash as well? Because I know cats are trouble. So, like, um, do you have them tethered as well?
2: So, traveling with cats versus dogs actually isn't all that different. There are some minor differences. Um, the biggest difference in terms of the actual road trip itself is going to be the litter box. So, unless your cat is trained to go to the bathroom outside, and some people do train their cats to go to the bathroom outside, just like a dog, you pick it up and you go kind of thing. Um, Otherwise, you do have to somehow accommodate the litter box needs. So we actually travel with a portable litter box because there's no way you're going to convince Jinx, our youngest, to go to the bathroom out in the middle of nowhere. She's a bit of a um, spoiled diva. Uh, More on that in a moment. But uh, so we use a travel litter box. It's actually a soft sided litter box. It has a zippered top on it because you can kind of cover it up and keep all that smell contained. Um, If they do use it, we use a poop bag just like you would for a dog and scoop out the the litter so that we don't have that, you know, in the vehicle traveling for the next few hours. But um, litter still sometimes picks up a bit of a smell. So having a litter box that closes off in that way kind of keeps that contained and and dealt with. But when we stop at a road road stop or um, if we're going to a short hiking trail or something, we just take a moment. We take the litter box out and give them a, a chance. Now. Both of our cats are um, leash trained and they do actually respect the leash fairly well. So if we're hiking, um, Pippin, actually, our little one, she's only about three pounds. She's this tiny, little, um, tiny, tiny little kitty. She looks like a little kitten, but she's 15 years old now and she'll hike right alongside the dogs. Like she loves walking on her leash. She thinks it's the greatest thing ever. Um, Jinx, the diva, as I previously referred to her, uh, doesn't mind hiking, but she doesn't want to be paused on the ground. Um, She wants to be carried like the royalty she is. So we wear a cat backpack. And then when Pippin's little legs get tired, Pippin goes into the backpack as well with Jinx. So Jinx likes being out there and being out in the great outdoors, but she's not going to walk on a leash like a dog does. So that's also something to kind of consider with cats is that some of them do learn to you know, travel in in that kind of more dog-like way, and some don't. And that's okay. Both personalities are okay. When we're on the campsite, uh, I don't trust the cats as much as I do the dogs in their harnesses. There is no such thing as an escape-proof harness for a cat. Anybody who travels and adventures with cats will tell you that. Um, So we take one of those exercise pens like what we use for the dogs, and then we actually have a cover for it that goes on it. So that they can't climb out the top and we set up a little cat area on the campsite so if i'm not actively like walking pippin around the campsite on her leash or sitting cuddling with her in the hammock with me then they're in that pen when they're on the campsite so that we know that they're safely contained yeah exactly every pet is different and being able to find the right answer there's a lot of trial and error and as i as i said with the camping thing in the beginning failing isn't bad if you try something and you know maybe you put a harness under your cat for the first time and you tried using one of the vest style harnesses and your cat flopped over sideways and refuses to go anywhere in it but they're comfortable in a standard h style nylon um, harness that's okay try different things experiment with different things always work up to it slowly don't just throw something on them and expect them to be okay with it but don't be afraid to kind of shift direction and try something new while you try and figure out what works best for them as i said i would love if jinx would be you know pausing the ground like pippin that's just not her thing and just like some people aren't interested in camping some cats aren't interested in hiking and that's that's fine she enjoys traveling in the backpack and being able to watch the birds and the squirrels and everything as we go she just doesn't want to be pausing the ground and that's cool
1: for those who are Considering leaving their pets at home or leaving them behind, any recommendations for what that would look like and options for them?
2: Yeah, so sometimes there's situations where it just isn't feasible to bring all of your pets or to bring your pets at all. And that's okay. Um, Jinx actually can't do a road trip over about an hour before she starts freaking out. So we only bring the cats on closer trips. But if we do the big, like, long trip, like we went up to Lake Superior, for example, that's a 10-hour drive we didn't bring the cats with us. Um, So in those situations, we have a friend or family member come and check on our cats. Um, Cats can sometimes do two to three days on their own, but make sure somebody is coming in every two to three days. Dogs obviously can't. So if you're having somebody take care of your dog, they either need to be coming in multiple times a day, staying at your house, or be comfortable with your dog staying at their house to take care of them. Um, And that is my personal preference when it comes to caring for my pets, only because I know that it is a very one-on-one, somebody I trust who can ensure that they're okay. That being said, there are some great facilities out there in terms of like pet hotels or boarding facilities, and you can find a professional through that, or you can hire a professional pet sitter. Just be cautious because there are a lot of horror stories for apps like that. So be very cautious if you're hiring in somebody that you don't know just hiring sight unseen. That always makes me nervous. I've never been okay with that. But now that I'm hearing all the horror stories, like I really caution people against going that route.
0: Thank you so much for uh, coming and sharing all your knowledge and wisdom with us.
2: Well, I had a great time and thank you for inviting me. I, Anytime that I can you know, help empower somebody to be able to take that step and include their pet, I absolutely love doing it. So this was great
1: and I'm the, I'm the person that you helped. Like, I feel like I'm a bit more empowered and I'm like, okay, what's next? What next adventure can we do together as a family? So I so appreciate it. This was amazing conversation, lots of resources, which will all be in the show notes and on our website. So thanks again, Brett. We really appreciate your time.